Pushed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Depay! And he stretched it! Ole finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh my word, what a goal! Golovin! Lovely finish. Must be the opening goal. Benedetto! And Bagnon. Fantastic! Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta! Hello, well it seems that everyone is replaceable. No, I'm not talking about Lionel Messi's early exit at the Parc des Princes last night, of course not. The much bigger story today is that Matt Spiro and David Crossan have been sent to the sidelines without as much as a token tap of my hand, and I, Ian Holyman, Le Bourgeois' executive producer, have taken an executive decision and decided, like Poch, to show everyone who's boss. I haven't entirely revamped my squad, though. You'll be delighted to know there are more familiar voices here to keep some semblance of continuity. Robbie Thompson and Andy Scott. Hello, lads. Mr Holyman. Hi, Ian. Very nice, very nice. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, watch yourselves today, boys. Absolutely. No, look, uh, uh, you've got to make these tough decisions. I'm pleased that everyone knows their place now. <laughs> Let's get to it, then. And where else could we start but at the Parc des Princes, where PSG's 100% start to the season faced its stiffest test yet. Oh, Toko Akami, that's a good ball. And the finish at the near post from Lucas Paqueta has given Leon the lead. How about that pass from Carl Toko Akambi? Is nearly perfectly timed. The finish is brilliant from Paqueta. If he wanted to beat Donnarumma near post, he had to give it power. He did exactly that. Still Neymar. Oh, penalty. Neymar steps up and ties the contest. Mbappe. Mbappe's cross. Icardi! Paris Saint-Germain in the 94th minute have gone ahead against Olympic Lyonnais and this one is all over by the shouting. Well, don't say that we shy away ever from the big issues on Le Beaujeu. So the real question to be answered, Robbie Thompson, <laughs> was there a comeback from Phil Collins? There was. That is the big, that was the, at least at the start of the evening, that was the big moment. Phil Collins' music that has been the entry, the walk-on music at the Parc des Princes for, for 20, 25 years now, was uh, replaced at the start of this season by a, by a new jingle by a, a PSG fan by the name of DJ Snake, who uh, the, our age may not know who that is, but the younger generation know that he is a huge, <laughs> huge star. Um, but yes, he's been replaced. Phil Collins prevails, and we know who he is, of course. <laughs> And the fans, well, we the do, fans loved we're it. all old, apart from Andy. Exactly, and the fans were loved to have oh, it back. Did they? Yeah, absolutely. Everyone was back on their feet, dancing and dancing to the to the famous music. I would, ju- I would just like to take issue with this uh, <laughs> these comments about DJ Snake and only the younger generation knowing who he is, because I'm pretty sure that I saw him at a, a festival about 17 years ago, or he or he was on the lineup anyway. Oh, okay, so. very good. And I wouldn't classify myself as young. 
Yes, but you would classify me as very old and I'm actually younger than Robbie, as you discussed several times at Wren Spurs on Thursday night. But that is for another podcast and probably one full <laughs> of expletives. But um, let's get let's get to the football, chaps, then. PSG, six wins from six. On the third time in the club's history. I think it's the third time in the last four full seasons, though. You know, after the terrific trio waffled on pretty poorly, it has to be said, in, in Belgium, the Fantastic Four were supposed to be back last night, Andy, and, well, they weren't that fabulous, were they? Well, is this the Fantastic Four? Can you can you just replace a member like that? I guess the Beatles did that, didn't they, early on? The the, the Fab Four, didn't they replace <laughs> the, the drummer or with Ringo Starr at some point? Is that right? Very early on, yeah. Because Lionel, well, Messi, I'm, I'm, I'm Lionel replacing... Messi has come in to replace Mauro Icardi, if we're going to call this the, the Fantastic Four. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's actually a more fantastic four now <laughs> than it was. It's Neymar, Mbappe, uh, that small Argentine bloke who's amazing, and uh, oh yeah, the other Argentine bloke, exactly, Lionel Messi. I meant Lionel Angel Di Maria was the other Argentine fella, but they weren't very good. Well, they, they, the Di Maria was suspended against Bruges. I'm not saying that makes all the difference. Um, Bruges, I think the whole team, more or less struggled to get going, struggled to, to, to lift the intensity and match the intensity of, of Club Bruges, who I thought were excellent and deserved of their point. Probably last night, I think Leon were just about deserved of their point as well. I don't think there's too many dyed-in-the-wool PSG fans who would, who would really argue about that. There, were, there are so many talking points to come out of the game. Messi's debut at the Parc des Princes, there was a fantastic atmosphere um, Tilo Kera starting at right back, the Donnarumma, Navas, who's going to play in which competition in goal, the the penalty award for, for Paris Saint-Germain, for Neymar to get back on level terms, the substitution of, of Lionel Messi and the rather surprised look on the little Argentine's face, and then Mauro Icardi just reminding everyone, despite, despite the fact that when he doesn't score, people say he's the worst player ever to have pulled on a, a football shirt or football boots probably, and there he is again, in the right place at the right time to score, which is what he does uh, so well as well. So I don't know if that sums up what happened last night, but it was a fantastic match of football. Perhaps a little word on Leon as well. Paqueta and Guimaraes are quality footballers. So too Carl Toko Akambi, who perhaps doesn't get the credit he deserves. Um, Boateng was good. Malo Gusto, an 18-year-old right back, filling in there. The Fabulous. Emerson, for a man who hasn't played football for two years and still wins everything, he was very good as well, I thought, at left back. Well, Andy, I think you can just put your feet up and let's move on, because Robbie has pretty much just done absolutely everything there. Yeah. Yep. I mean, and, Andy... Well, we, I, haven't actually we said any, I haven't actually said anything, just raised a whole lot of talking points, well, which I think are, are all you've, valid you've made, talking points. <laughs> you've made quite a good living out of not saying very much for, for many a year exactly. now, Robbie, but um, so I'm told. So I'm told. Um, but... Uh, Andy Thierry Henry mm-hmm. was was saying on on Amazon um, other st- streaming football things are available. Apparently, um, he's a he's a he's a pundit here in France now. Thierry Henry is very interesting too. But he was saying equilibre over and over balance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And are we being a bit harsh on, on on PSG and Pochettino and all these fabulous individual players that were criticising them for not having found balance, having played what 180 minutes together? No, no, we're not being we're not being um, overly critical. We're not being unfair. I mean, I mean, Pochettino himself um, used that very word after the, the 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 game in Bruges, didn't he? That it was all about finding the right balance. He knows that ultimately his job is to find that balance. He has to play 
all his star attacking players and he has to find the right mix, the right blend behind them for it to work. Now, um, he got the result last night in the end, but of course, controversially, he took off uh, Lionel Messi to help him get that result. Now, I actually thought, you know, probably like a lot of people who were at the uh, Parc de France last night are watching it on on television, um, whether that be in France or around the world. Obviously, you're keeping an eye on on Messi above anybody else. And he was very heavily involved in the game in the first half. He was very, very good in the first half. You know, it is pretty amazing when you think of all the great players they have going forward. But ultimately, everything went through Messi in that first half last night. You know, Mbappe didn't see very much of the ball. Not much came off for Neymar. Um, Di Maria was a bit more involved, but you know it's 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 finding a way for those four to work together and for those four to work within the structure of the team. And and you know Messi did fade from the game a little bit in the second half of that match. Um, you know match sharpness might be something to do with that. Obviously, he had a long break in the summer, a very turbulent summer, as we all know. He went away and played two full games for Argentina recently. Um, so maybe tiredness was a bit of an issue, but then again, do you take off Lionel Messi? I mean, from my seat in the in the uh, press box at the Parc des Princes, not far away from where Robbie was sitting on commentary duties, um, obviously I, I looked down when Messi was coming off and I couldn't help but notice that Pochettino stretched his hand out um, and Messi rejected the offer of the hand from his coach and, and that was a clear sign that he wasn't too happy. Now, any player who gets taken off in a game is not going to be too happy. Lionel Messi, do you take him off? That is questionable. Um, having said that, it worked on this occasion. But, you know, I think, um, of course, we can question uh, the balance of the team. At the moment, the balance is not there. I don't think it was all about that last night. I think, as Robbie said, um, Leon deserves some credit because they came and they they really put up a fight and made a contest of it, uh, which was great to see. And we're very unlucky not to, to leave with something. But, um, yeah, balance is an issue. I think um, over time, things will improve. But, you know, certainly when it comes to the Champions League, the big games and the latter stages of the competition, that's what everybody will be looking, you know, towards. But that's a long way away yet. Well, it, it was a surprise to see Messi going off. I mean, it's the only, only the second time, apparently, in, in his last 65 starts that he's been he's been subbed off. But for me, perhaps the bigger surprise was that Tilo Kera stayed on the pitch. But let's uh, let's let's gloss there, over that one. There was one. an Robbie. amazing sort of influx of air around the stadium. It was like all the oxygen just got sucked out of the ground at the moment when the number 30 showed up and Hakimi was standing there and everyone just sort of went <gasps> as as did you feel that Andy I I, I palpably felt that like a, when when Messi's number came up and you see the look of Messi on on the pitch and he's he sort of looks yeah. and goes me and then yeah. and then walks off it was it was bah. but then when I think well, about it, it, it was, good on good on Pochettino for doing that if that's what he thought because that's Messi's first yeah. game at the Parc des Princes the greatest player well, in the exactly. world and you're honestly <laughs> You are sending out a very strong message to Neymar, to Killian, to Sergio Ramos, to to everybody else. It doesn't matter who you are. If I am coaching this side, I want to do what I think is best, even if it was to do something a bit weird, which was bring on a, a right back and play him on the right wing and reshuffle a little bit after they'd moved to a, a 4-4-2, I think more or less even a lopsided one in the second half. But but good on Mauricio Pochettino for, for doing that. And he, And let's face it, it took until the 93rd minute, but ultimately they got the result. Hakimi was very good when he came on. But it's a big risk for, for any manager to do that. And, you know, I mean, Pochettino, let's not forget, is, um, is still getting used to managing players of, of this calibre. I mean, I mean yeah, not many I agree, managers in, in history of the game have managed players of this calibre. If you look at where he's come from before, Espanyol, Southampton, um, okay, at Tottenham he had Harry Kane and maybe one or two other big-name players, but not on the same level as this. 
And um, he's he's putting his head on the line by taking off Lionel Messi. Ultimately, he was vindicated by a 93rd minute goal from a former member of the Fantastic Four who's since <laughs> been replaced, but has still who's still proven that he can do a very useful job this season because he's got a couple of um, important match-winning goals. But I mean, taking off Messi is is yeah, it's 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 a bit of a statement. It's a bit of a, a declaration of intent from the coach. And it's a gamble that paid off, you know, but um, it, it very nearly didn't. A word also. I've got a yeah, question. Okay, just very oh, quickly. Oh. And I agree with what Andy said. Yeah. How good was Messi in the first half? Because he could have had three goals. And Paris were looking yeah. like, Leon were good in the first half and they had chances, but Paris had the better chances and they weren't far away from, you know, scoring two or three perhaps. I mean, the free kick was superb. Messi, it's the second time he's hit the crossbar in, in two games as well. Lopez made a made a good save, and I thought it was an even first half. But the chances Paris had were the better chances. Can if I, I can just get in a word word, word in edgeways here, because I'm, I'm I'm still alive. Um, <laughs> was was this was this a statement from Pochettino, or was this a genuine? I need to change something. Mess. I've got to take Messi off to do it in the way that I want to do it. So he's going to come off. Th- but then yeah. that that. Well, that that then raises a question of, you know, how do you fit Messi into the team so that you don't have to do that, right? And I think that that, that is something that he has to uh, confront and face up to, um, you know. And ultimately, if Pochettino can't get it to work with Messi, Neymar, Mbappe and Di Maria, then he is the one who's going to, you know, be kicked out kicked out of touch, if you like, rather than Lionel Messi. So um, that's why I think it was a very brave call, you know, and um, he... Yeah, yeah, I agree. But also Neymar in the second half, was excellent. We haven't seen a Neymar play that well. Uh, he grew into the match as the, as it went on. He's been disappointing, I think, in the in his first two matches back from from his uh, his summer exertions with Brazil. And I thought in the second half he was one player who really wanted it, who made things happen, and and was courageous and went looking for the ball and and was looking to make things happen. So in that respect, look, maybe maybe the coach thought, look, Neymar's giving it a lot at the moment. He's getting better and better. Killian gives me that speed and pace in behind. Hakimi on the right. Maybe it was a, a purely tactical decision. But just one other thing I, I on, 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 was... the, oh. on the Fantastic Four, if I can, if I can just say, um, you know, this is, this is a, a thing, isn't it? There is only one ball on the field, right? When the, when the ball's in play, there's only one ball on the field. And when you've got those four guys up front who all want to be on the ball, all making things happen, then that becomes quite complicated. And everything went through Messi in the first half. In the second half, most things went through Neymar. And then after Messi had gone off at the end, Mbappe was the one who popped up to set up the winning goal for the one guy who plays in the attack who doesn't need the ball <laughs> and who just who just very occasionally pops up in the, in the penalty box and will score a goal for you. So, you know, Icardi is a different type of attacking player, but the rest of them all want to be on the ball as much as possible, making things happen, making goals, scoring goals. And that is difficult to accommodate when you've only got one ball on the field. Yeah, just three touches apparently for Mauro Icardi before he... Uh, or- including the the one that was was decisive in the game. He, here's a controversial little uh, snippet. Maybe Mauro Icardi is better suited to playing with Di Maria, Messi and Neymar than Mbappe is because you mentioned it Robbie, speed in behind. Well, they they're not they're not getting that in Ligue 1, are they? So they need somebody They've got those guys, the three guys to play those little balls around the edge of the box and thread them through. Icardi will finish. Mbappe is not that sort of player. True, but Mbappe ended up playing more and more, you know, in a wider and wider role. 
Yeah, look, that's, I mean, the, the whole question about the, the, the Fab Four or the Fantastic Four and, and what Andy and, and you, Ian, are saying is that that's up to the coach to try and make it work. I think there, I mean, it, you'd be crazy to say there's no place for Kylian Mbappe in, uh, in Ligue 1 because obviously he's the top scorer for the last three seasons. So he, he does score goals. He does provide an incredible service to the side as well. Um, he's providing more and more assists as well. I think that's something that we started to see last season and he's, and he's doing more and more. He's becoming more and more of a, an assists provider, which I think means he's also becoming a better footballer in many respects. Um, so no, I think there's a place for for Kylian Mbappe. I think it would be you'd be a little. It's a bit of a long bow to 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 suggest that there's not a place for Kylian Mbappe in this Paris Saint Germain side. But look, it's up to the coach. The coach has to make it work, and the pressure will be on the coach. And if and if he can't do it, then it's as Andy said, it's the coach that will that will go. There was there were certainly questions about the penalty. Peter Bosch was was pretty amazed, shall we say, that VAR didn't spot that Neymar wasn't really fouled by Malagusto and in fact it was probably more the other way around but let's let's just move on with that because we've been on this game quite a long time already just a quick word on Leon good performance 10 points behind PSG already now the performance may suggest that, that the golf is not as big as that but isn't this just Leon that we've seen again and again over the last few seasons good in the big matches can't really be bothered that much with the other games I mean Oh, we've we've surely got to. Do we write them off as top three contenders already? No, 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 we don't write them off as top three contenders. But I think that it. I mean, I don't think we expected them to win the title because you know everybody expects PSG to win the title. But every year you look at Lyon, and you look at the the budget they have. I mean, they are the second richest French club. Um, they have very good players. Even when they they sell players, they bring good players in. They've done that this year with Shakiri and Emerson and Boateng. These are players of a high caliber. Um, Lyon should be more capable than anybody else of pushing PSG the furthest in the league. And they showed that last night. They made a real game of it. Um, I mean, I've, I've been, um, you know, going to the Parc des Princes on a regular basis for about 13 years now. Um, and in that time, I've seen Lyon come and play at the Parc des Princes on, you know, a number of occasions. They've only won once in that time since the end of their great era when they won the seventh in a row in 2008. They've only won once at the Parc des Princes. That was last season behind closed doors with up by goal to nil. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, they've had games where they've been hammered 5-0. You remember the Kylian Mbappe when he scored four times in a 5-0 PSG win, I think that was three years ago now. And they've had games where they've pushed them very close and, and they've been narrowly beaten. And, and at, at least they make a contest of it, uh, which is which is great to see because a lot of teams come to the Parc des Princes and can't put up a fight. They either just don't even try or they're not capable of it. Lyon are capable of doing that. It would be great if they could do it on a more regular basis against the teams they should be beating, like you say, Ian. Um, they should be competing for a top three place. There's no guarantee they'll get there because it's been a regular occurrence for them in recent years to just miss out on the top uh, the top three, like like last season on the final day. But they should be pushing for it. And, you know, apart from Marseille, who had a good start to the season, but I think are fallible and will maybe run out of steam a little bit. You know, nobody else, none of the other big names that we expected to feature heavily at the start of the season have got off to a superb start either, have they? So I think there's still a, a good chance that Leon will do well. And Lucas Paqueta, by the way, was brilliant in that game last night. I mean, for all the talk of the the Fantastic Four plus Icardi who came on, um, Paqueta was arguably the best player on the field for the for the duration of the game, and he scored a lovely goal. So when you've got him in that kind of form, you, you have every chance. I agree, um, Andy, with many of your sentiments, but I think, and Ian, I, I wouldn't write Leon off after the fact that they've lost those first 
two games or drew two games and lost one to Angers 3-0, which was a big surprise. But let's not forget there was a change of coach um, who was putting his things in place. Before Paris Saint-Germain, they'd won three in a row, including away to Rangers in, in, in the Europa League. So I think they're starting to find some form. I think they are a side... I don't think this was just showing up to play the big game at the Parc des Princes. I think they're a team that could cause problems this season to, to all the big teams and also show consistency. My fear for them is look at their bench because their bench, I know Moussa Dembele was missing last night, but their bench is Sinali Diomande, Habib Keita, Julian Polisbeck, Enrique Shirky, Lukeba, Barcola and Damien De Silva. It's not, they don't have the depth there. I mean, Ryan Shirky is a fantastic talent, Usemawa as well, Damien De Silva is an experienced defender. Sinali Diomande is a young defender with plenty of talent. But otherwise, they're, you know, you need a squad. You need 20, 25 players to get you through a season to compete for the top three as well. And I'm not sure they have the depth in their squad. If a couple of injuries and, and suspensions hit them, then they will struggle. That's it. You're listening to Robbie Thompson, Robbie's neighbour, who's decided that the Monday afternoon is a good time to drill. Yeah. Andy Scott... And you're probably only half listening to me, Ian Holyman, on Le Beau Je. You can download, of course, and subscribe, please do, on all usual podcast platforms. Leave a rating if you've enjoyed it, and maybe not quite so much uh, if you didn't. And you can take part, too. We love hearing your thoughts. Email us, league1podcast at gmail.com. This podcast certainly not a behind-closed-doors affair, which is something we can't say for the Côte d'Azur derby at the Allianz Riviera on Sunday. Fire again, feeds it into the feed of Ben Yedder. Lovely ball for Martins now. And Golovin sliding in at the back post has given Monaco a deserved lead. Melvin Barr for Guiri. And a chance here and a goal for Andy Delort. Clinical trademark finish from Andy Delort. Delort still runs for Nice and a shooting chance. Great opportunity and a goal for Badawi. His side now lead the derby. Here's Ben Yedder. Maybe they can threaten now. Is that a penalty? It is. Barely 60 seconds after going in front. Nice have gifted Monaco a way back into this one. Wissam Ben Yedder hasn't got a league goal to his name. As yet this season, great opportunity to get off the mark for the Monaco captain, and he does emphatically. And Monaco a level. Yes, it was me on commentary, of course. No fans in the stadium, though, following the incidents versus Marseille. Although, interestingly enough, and we saw them plenty enough, the billionaire owners of both clubs, Sir Jim and Dimitri, I think I can, I'm on first name terms with them, were there. At the, uh, at the Allianz Riviera. Nice, underwhelming in the first half. It has to be said, better in the second. Uh, but Andy Delore, perennial pod favourite, coming off the bench early on for Casper Dolberg and working his magic. I think it would only be appropriate if I spoke about Andy Delore, wouldn't it? Um, I, I, th- <laughs> I think that he, we, we said a few weeks ago that he was the kind of, um, almost the missing link in that Nice team because he's an experienced um, striker who s- scores goals in Ligue 1, has done on a regular basis. I always felt that he was, by going to Montpellier, he sort of come home and um, settled there 
and was finally getting the best out of himself as a footballer because of where he was. Um, because for those of you who haven't followed Andy Delors' career path, this is a guy who started off um, as a bit of a journeyman. Maybe that's unfair, but you know, playing for different clubs in the second tier in France. I think he was at Tours, wasn't he? The club mm-hmm, where Olivier yeah. Giroud made his yeah. name when he was sold to Wigan Athletic in England at the time when I think they were in the second tier in England. That didn't work out for him. He came back to France and uh, he, he went from club to club to club without really um, fulfilling his potential. It was once he got to Montpellier that he did that. And I, I am intrigued to see how he gets on having moved to Nice. Admittedly, similar climate, not a million miles away, just the other end of the Mediterranean coast in France. But um, it's going to be very interesting to watch. I think he is now a, a much more mature player, though. I think he I think he's in a much better position to go on and be a real success at a club other than Montpellier. Uh, and, and a great start for him with his new club. And that's what Nice, um, I think in the last couple of years, when they had Patrick Vieira as the coach, with Danchi playing in the centre of the defence, marshalling um, that back line, they had an ability to keep clean sheets, to be difficult to break down, but there were some desperately dull games involving Nice. They couldn't score goals, even once they brought in Casper Dolberg, all the things we've talked about before. And under Christophe Galtier, they started the season with that desperately dull nil-nil draw against, I think it was oh, Reims. Yeah. And then they've started adding goals to their game. And I mean, I covered them against Bordeaux uh, about three weeks ago, just before the international break. Another game behind closed doors. They were brilliant, albeit against a very bad Bordeaux team. And in an attacking sense, I guess this is a, a good continuation of that, having Delors in the side, scoring goals. Uh, and a game that, of course, they should have won because, uh, I mean, Guiri missed that late penalty. So um, suddenly they are becoming the... Um, the, the major force in the Côte d'Azur for all of Monaco's riches and all that they've done in the last few years, the start to the season Monaco have had, the way things are looking at Nice, it's uh, looking very promising indeed. Well, you said nice, nice might have won it. I can tell you that Monaco might have won it too. After that penalty missed by Guiri, Myron Boadu latched onto this long ball through and it, only, it was a one-on-one with Benitez and Benitez pulled off a great save. Benitez, uh, incidentally conceding his first goals of the season. And I was just going to say, if any any stat says journeyman striker, uh, it's this one. Andy Delors now scored with five different teams in the top flight. And uh, if you can name them, good on you. But it, it was this stat that stood out for me after after the game. And, and I thought this was this is pretty incredible. Um, I mean, Guiri missed that penalty. Fair enough. But involved in 25 goals in Ligue 1, since his debut at the start of last season, okay? Only, only Fiorentina's Dusan Vlajovic and Erling Haaland, everybody knows about him, have done better in Europe's top five leagues among the players born this millennium. I mean, okay, Robbie, we're not going to do the Robbie Thompson, he's how old challenge because that could lead us down all sorts of avenues. But I mean, exactly, yeah, that could... That could that could get very messy. I will say though, I will I will say though, Ian, that uh, as far as I knew, the top five leagues are still open to players born before this millennium, and so you know there are lots of other players that have also done very very well. Yeah, but what I what I wanted to say <laughs> what I wanted to say is, of course, we're talking a lot about Erling Haaland, but actually, I mean Guiri. Let remember his his first full season in senior first team football was last season. And yeah, he, he, and he is a fantastic player. And yeah. this is the thing: nobody's talking about. I mean, Guiri, but are we are we looking at the next big 
uh, French player who's sort of gone under the radar, but in two or three years' time, he's going to be an absolute world beater. There's so many of them you could say that about, though. You know, that's the thing about um, French footballers is there's, there's so many coming through at all times. I mean, you just have to think of the guys who followed the same path as, uh, I mean, Guiri, like Alassane Player, for example, who was at Lyon, went to Nice, went to the Bundesliga, has actually played a couple of games for France. But does he come into the minds of most people when they think about um, top French strikers? There's just such a formidable strength and depth there that it would be great to see Amin Guiri come through and play for the French national team. He is quite versatile, of course. He can play wide. He can play, come and play more through the middle, I guess. Canty depends on the on the system uh, being adopted. He's he's a lovely player, takes set pieces, uh, not just penalties. Um, quite possible. I think he's. I think he is 21. I'm going to play that game. I think he is 21. Um, so yeah, his best years <laughs> are still to come. But you know. Uh, as I say, there are so many fantastic players coming through in France all the time. And even as Amin Guiri emerges, there, there's another one coming in just behind. So, um, you know, I'm not, not even sure if he's going to get into the French, you know, the full squad anytime soon because of that. And uh, Monaco, Robbie, you stuck, your, you stuck your neck out saying Nico Kovac is the man to turn it around. That was last week. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think we're starting to see a couple of little changes, a little... It was interesting that Folland, there was no place for him in the side, finally replaced in the starting lineup by Golovin, um, who got on the score sheet as well. He's making a couple of little changes, isn't he? It looks as though Sidibe, who was playing as part of a, a back three, is now more of that, that right wing back. Um, I didn't see this game, but is that still that lopsided defense, like four-man defense without the ball and, and Caio Enrique getting up and down and then when they have possession... Caio Enrique flies up into the, the left wing. I, I, what I like about Niko Kovac is that he, he, he does things with the tactics to try and upset the opposition. And it's, not, it's never really a 3-4-3 or a 3-5-2 or a 4-4-2 or a 4-3-3. It's, it's constantly moving. And I think that's something that I like. But I do like the fact that Yusuf Fofana is back in the middle of the park alongside Chouameni. I think he gives more than, than Jean Lucas. But, you know, he's got options on the bench as well. I mean, Sofiane Diop is, is an option on the bench. Folland is an option on the bench. Crepin Diata as well. So, look, I think he will turn it around. I like the fact that he's, he's making little changes. Fafana back for me is good. Golovin, I like him too as a player. So, look, there are, there are positives. And I think getting on the score sheet, getting two goals, coming, coming back, and as you say, almost winning this derby match is a positive sign for them. Because it hasn't been easy. Let's not forget they played eight matches in August. It took a lot out of them and they didn't get the result they wanted. They didn't qualify for the Champions League. So that was a, a bitter blow. They had to overcome that. And, uh, and here they are now. I think uh, the only way is up for them. Yeah, I think that was their 11th competitive game of the season so far. But uh, just quickly, in a word, eight points behind Marseille already. Can we write them off as title contenders? Because I, I tipped them for the title. I think Matt did as well. They're not looking like it. Yes, we can write them off as title contenders. Yeah, Paris Saint-Germain are actually going to win the league. So, <laughs> you heard it here. The 19 are written off. You heard it here, <laughs> second, third, and probably for the 50th time already this season. Okay, let's move from one set of random guesses to uh, a few more. It's time for Deja Who. Last week, this was the clue. I was a battering ram of a centre-forward whose first stop in France was the velodrome. I had something of a nose for goal and, controversially, ahead for noses. I won a league and title and played for two other French clubs, ending a long wait for silverware with one of them. Boys, an easy one this one, surely. I, I, I heard that last week and I got it, I would say, straight away. Did you? 
Yep, same here. That's an easy <laughs> Who one. Who was it then? Brandau. Oh, Brandau. The, the nose for goal and the head for nose is um, a pretty shocking incident with Thiago Motta. But uh, everybody seemed to find this one easy. Adam Cyrilnik, Habib Bahar, James Cathy, Kev Sherwood, Davao, Davor Tochokovic. Tochakovic, excuse me, Davor. Da, who's, who comes from down under, like you, Robbie. And yeah, uh, good, says, good. insightful commentary and entertainment. So thanks, Davor, because you're obviously talking about me. Uh, Frenchy says, not sure, but Brandao. Well, you were right. And apparently, James Waskim thought that one was beneath him because it was just too easy, because he was 100% <laughs> up till now, but he, he didn't get in touch, sadly, this week. So, anyway, just kidding, James. Anyway, this one is difficult, okay? I'm in the top 20 all-time appearance makers in the French top flight, playing more than 500 Ligue 1 games. I made top flight appearances for five clubs over an 18-year period, winning two league titles with different clubs. I began my career in France's capital of gastronomy, but didn't quite cut the mustard there, though I did at the end of my playing days. Cryptic, you want a difficult... I think I have and that's delivered. It. That is it. Need a bit of French culture and football knowledge, so that rules you two out. Answers by email to league1podcast <laughs> at gmail.com or use the hashtag DejaHu on Twitter. Good luck because you're going to need it. I'm going to have to send uh, a couple of little messages in the chat. I have an inkling. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, have an inkling. Well, while you and Robbie and uh, Andy all mull over that one, let's get on with a bit of football. The first derby du Nord. The northern derby in front of a full house at the Stade Felix Bollet for some 11 years. And David Crossan, yes, I let him off the leash for this one, was witness to the mayhem that was Lens against Lille. Kukuta. Frankowski. Finishes. Premislav Frankowski with his first long goal. The Polish international nets in the derby. Fafana will try to shield it here. The final whistle sounds and Lons have their derby victory. They have beaten the champions by a goal to nil. So quite a derby at the Stade Felix Bollet, we expected fireworks. There were rather too many fireworks, it has to be said. A, a half-time pitch invasion. And, uh, Robbie, apparently there's something, a new development on that. Yeah, well, the, the disciplinary tribunal, the LFP's uh, disciplinary tribunal, has already met immediately and, and brought the hammer down very quickly. We already had precedents this season with Montpellier and Nice, so there's a been a bit of trouble with the fans who are just so happy to be back in the stadiums so that they can barely control it by the by the looks of things um so two matches to be played completely behind closed doors for Lens um that will be at home to Strasbourg and Reims and no Lille traveling fans at Strasbourg either but it is an investigation that is ongoing so the final verdict will be handed down on October 6th I I'm happy for Lens on the pitch because last season I remember that they got absolutely hammered when Lille, uh, they'd been waiting so long since their return to the top flight to play Lille. And I think it was 5-0, wasn't it? Didn't they? They were on the end of some horrific derby result. Four, yeah. And uh, 
So good for them for getting this result. It means a lot to the to the Stad Felix Bollard as well. It's a fiercely disputed derby. I didn't see the the pictures of what happened at halftime. I saw the goal, which um was a was a was a nice nice goal. Franck Ez is doing a fantastic job. They have some great underrated players. Seko Fofana is just fantastic. Um, was last season as well. It's not a it's not a flash in the pan. He is a, a great footballer. And yeah, they're they're doing great things at Lons and they deserve it. And uh, more woe for Lille. I mean, how much how much can their fans take after the, the of these roller coaster rides? One season avoid relegation, next season you're champions. Now we're back in trouble again. It means put your money on Lille for next year. Yeah, Seko Fofana did did a really good interview at the at the weekend to, with Lequipe saying one of the reasons he decided to move back to France was that the baker speaks French which I, I thought was a, an interesting quote. But <laughs> Lance, yeah. Is that, a crypt, is that a cryptic code for something or is it quite literally the, the, the baker in Italy spoke Italian so he didn't feel good about I it? Think, I think that was the, the general gist of it. But, but yeah, like Lance, I mean, th- they were second on Saturday night, third, third now. Um, what, is, what is Frank Ayres getting right that Jocelyn Gorvenek isn't? Well, that's 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 a good question. That I mean, you know, some sometimes in football, it's it's not as simple as it, as as one man is more capable than somebody else. It's all about the having the right ingredients, which is a word that is often used in French football parlance. Um, it's about having the right ingredients thrown into the mix with the team, with the club in general. Um, I mean, I remember being lambasted actually um, at the end of last season by by Matthew Spiro um, when we did the the the. the the, the, Who hasn't been, Andy? Who yeah, hasn't and it's been? it's it, here we here we are sitting here, you know, four months later, and it still it gives me sleepless nights thinking about uh, that time that Matt lambasted me. But I, uh, but fair fair enough. At the time, we did a podcast to celebrate Lille winning the league, and Matt was obviously, you know, he was enjoying it. He I think he'd just been up to Lille to 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 take in the title celebrations uh, up there, and it was great. And and I had the temerity to 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 say that I think the future might be a bit bleak at Lille. And I was basically told to, to don't worry about that for now because this is the time to celebrate the title. Fair enough. But the point is that it was immediately obvious. Everybody knew. I think Lille fans knew. Everybody knew that that title win last season, it was going to be very hard to, to follow it up with any kind of um, successful, successful season this year. Now, all that's happening is that Jocelyn Gorvenek is having to pick up the pieces at a club that obviously lost a wonderful manager in Christophe Galtier, the best manager that there has been in French football over the duration of the last decade. I think we would agree for what he's achieved at clubs where you wouldn't necessarily expect him to achieve what he's achieved, but also all the excellent players who've, who've left the club because they needed to raise money because, because in the midst of the excellent season they had last year, Lille, of course, um, were sold to a, a new um, owner, uh, an investment fund, I believe, um, because of the financial problems. And what we're seeing now is that Lille had to sell players to help balance the books. And obviously, it's very hard to build a successful team again when you've lost a goalkeeper of the quality of Mike Mignon, when you've lost a midfielder, Bubakari Soumare. And just maintaining that momentum is very difficult. I think what none of us expected was for Lille to be sitting here uh, having conceded, I think, 12 goals already in six matches this season, just one fewer than the worst defence in the division, which is remarkable for a team that conceded so few goals last season. They're not um, putting the chances away. They're not getting the breaks like they did last season. You saw that with the chances that Borak Yilmaz and, and Jonathan David had in the game at Lens, and it's just not happening for them. But I think you know, I think we probably all saw this coming, and now there is a real chance that Lens will usurp them as the prominent team 
in the far north of France uh, this season because they've got that momentum. They made the signings a year ago when they came back up to, to Ligue 1 following their promotion at the end of that um, COVID-shortened season. They invested a lot of money, which was a big gamble at a time, given that clubs were facing up to a year without fans coming into the stadiums. They spent money on the likes of Sikko Fofana, who is one of these guys who was at Manchester City as a youngster. There's lots of them out there who didn't get uh, didn't get to break through to the City first team, went away and has gone on to be an excellent player elsewhere, but he is capable of playing at a higher level than loss. He's happy where he is. He's a fine player. There are plenty of others in that loss squad. And this is a team that actually probably can realistically target uh, a top six finish in European qualification for next season. That's how they're starting the season, especially with that support behind them. So having those two games behind closed doors coming up is, is going to be a real blow for them. Yeah, well, Lille, Lille, three defeats already this season. That's as many as in the entire last campaign. Five points, 15th place, just below Monaco. I mean, they're not going to go down, which is unlike Benjamin Andre and Sheka, who I who I saw in a lift uh, at the team hotel before Tuesday's Champions League game against uh, against Wolfsburg. Actually, Benjamin Andre got out at the wrong floor, but I didn't have the heart to tell him. But Robbie, this this season, it's, all, it's almost a write-off already for Lille, isn't it? It is, I think, and and I, you all know that I'm not. I don't like pointing the finger at players, but if if I'm going to, it's going to be a, a Jose Font, um, and just not because I don't think he's a fantastic player, and and I think Lille's title last season was in large part thanks to him on and off the pitch and everything he brought to the club. But for Lance's goal, it, it's he's there, he's on the ball, he should be making that challenge. He should, and it's. He goes in to sort of kick it away, and it just sort of sums up everything that's going wrong for Lille at the moment. The ball just bounced back perfectly. I mean, Jose Font is a tough defender. He doesn't, people don't ride challenges with Jose Font. You don't get a lucky bounce against Jose Font. The ball ends up, if he wants it cleared, it's cleared. And that didn't happen. He went into the challenge with Frankowski, and it just fell perfectly for the for the pole to to tuck it home from the edge of the box only goal of the game and for me that really summed up because you just think it was it was a bit soft it was a bit too easy and it summed up what's going wrong for Lille so Lens second on Saturday night but they're overtaken by Marseille 2-0 victors against Rennes Bombardier again on the score sheet that's three and two for him I mean Hari with his sort of sort of on the because he it wasn't the cleanest of finishes Took a pretty big deflection into the roof of the net, didn't it? Or am I? Well, it wasn't. Am I, it am wasn't I completely the cl- wrong on that? It wasn't that? the cleanest of finishes. But are we? Are we just going? I'm not sure it was on target. Are we just going? But okay. okay. Are we just? <laughs> are we just going on clean strikes that hit the top corner? If so, Paris Saint Germain didn't win that game yesterday. Anyway, I mean, Harry with his first, <laughs> Mar- Robbie first, first Marseille. Yeah, okay, okay, Behave. Okay, okay, okay. I told you. <laughs> Five, Marseille now five points behind PSG. They've only ever had more points at this stage of the season once, apparently. Ellie Bopes side finished second. Yeah, when they won their first six. No. 2012, they 2013. Yeah. Andy. Yeah. Andy, they, they can't, can they? Uh, they can't what? Win the league? No, no they're not going to listen. Even, <laughs> listen, even finish second, even finish no. second. I mean, let, let's remember that yeah. only the automatic yeah. qualifying for Champions League is the top two. Uh, yeah, I, I really think they can finish second because I think they've got that um, they've got that momentum with San Paoli. I think the supporters have really invested in this. I think we said it with loss. I think with Marseille, it's it's so big, isn't it? The the um, what the supporters give that team. You know, a, a full velodrome with fifty, sixty thousand people there, creating that that atmosphere with everybody sucking the ball towards the goal, really gives them something. Um, 
And I, I, th- I think they've got a real chance of finishing qualifying for the Champions League next season. Um, as much as anything, because so many of the other supposed big name contenders have started the season very poorly. Um, they've just they've just had a couple of great results. I mean, to go to Monaco last weekend and win was a real statement result for them. Beating Rennes at home is the kind of game that they should be winning. And, and they did do that. Uh, I think they're a really interesting team to watch, an exciting team to watch because they play in a different way. Uh, and Sampaoli said after the game yesterday, didn't he? I um, can't remember the exact quote, but basically football is great when, when you attack rather than defend. You know, it's all about attacking, getting the ball forward. You see that in the way they play. They've got players come at you from all different angles. Usually when you watch a, a game of football, whether it be on TV or in the stadium, you can very clearly see the system that, that, that a team is playing, you know, the back four, four, two, three, one, whatever. With Sampaoli's Marseille, it is it's it's it messes with your head. There are players all over the place in in, in strange positions. You know, we've had Bubakar Kamara playing as a wing back practically. Um and it's great to watch, you know, and it's been entertaining. And too often in recent years I've found myself, you know, facing up to watching a Marseille game and feeling that, oh not not again, not Marseille. God, they're they're not very exciting at the moment, are they? But at the moment, they are box office. They're great to watch, um, especially with the atmosphere in the stadium. I think they can uh, give PSG a better run for the money than anybody else. That doesn't mean that they will give them a genuine run for the money in the title race, but I think there is a chance that Marseille could be the best of the rest in league on this season. How do, how do we equate this uh, attacks from all angles and everything coming at you and, and wildness with the, the buzzword equilibre? <laughs> And balance that we were talking about with Paris Saint-Germain, but, because yeah. that's the but, fault with Paris but Saint-Germain. Is, 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 but, Robbie, is this not the thing that, you know, actually, maybe in some ways, wouldn't it be great? To, I mean, I, I'm sorry to any Marseille fans or even PSG fans, but to have Sam Pauli in charge of the players at PSG have got would be incredible <laughs> to watch. And actually, Pochettino, you know, with what he's done in the past, I mean, you can maybe you could almost equate Marseille to a club like Tottenham, a, a big club that is a little bit of a sleeping giant in some respects in its own uh, in its own um, context, and and you know, Sampaoli being in charge at Marseille is, is is remarkable to watch because you know he is he is a guy who is capable of really getting the best out of players you don't expect to be to be getting to that level and creating a team that's greater than some of its parts. But having said that, there are very good players in that Marseille team. You know, I mean, there there are excellent players mm-hmm. there. So Bamba Dieng's just the latest one coming through, and he could be the next um, the next star striker to come from Africa to, to star in Ligue 1 because there have been so many of them down the years, and that's three goals in two games for, for him. I, I saw him make his Marseille top team debut in in Auxerre in a in a cup tie back in February when it was so so cold uh, on on a Wednesday afternoon in in the snow. <laughs> We've and, all been there. It is a day I will never forget purely for that reason and just so happened to be Bamba Dieng's debut. He came off the bench, I think, and he scored, I think it was the second goal that gave them a 2-0 win and sort of announced himself, but it didn't really feel like he was announcing himself. It was in an empty stadium on a Wednesday afternoon in the snow. But but there we go, yesterday, three goals in, in two games for him and, and that's really exciting. Great for him and great for the Marseille fans. There was a couple of... Uh... Other Africans in really good form at the weekend. Uh, well, on Friday, there was a big derby. Alsace-Lorraine, Habi Diallo with two. Ludovic Ajork was unplayable. And uh, I wonder if we're going to start talking again about Ludovic Ajork playing for France, which just doesn't quite sound right. But in, the, in that sort of form, he, he, he really is unplayable. He's setting up goals. He's scoring goals. His physique makes him incredibly difficult to handle. Um, Moses Simon was very good as well as, as Nantes thrashed Angers 4-1. I don't think anybody saw that coming, least of all Angers. That's their first defeat of the season. And Andy, 
Talking about uh, it never rains, but it pours. Saint-Étienne, Bordeaux. At least it wasn't the nil-nil that you were predicting when I spoke to you on Thursday. <laughs> but Huang Weijou with a couple in that one. Bordeaux getting the first win of the season in a game between two sides that hadn't won this season. Yes. Do you know, Saint-Étienne, Bordeaux is the most played fixture in uh, the history of the French top flight, which might not surprise too many people, to be fair, the two two great names traditionally. And it does seem to be a fixture that I uh, have the pleasure of commentating at least once every season. Uh, the majority of the games between these teams in recent years have not been great. This one was actually really not bad. There were, you know, chances galore um, and Bordeaux winning at 2-1. Saint-Étienne could have equalised in the last minute, but the, the ball was cleared off the line. Lots of other chances at either end in a game that was played in in a apocalyptic rainstorm in the second half. Amazing, actually. Benoit Costille, the Bordeaux goalkeeper, who was the captain of the team on Saturday night because uh, Laurent Koscielny was injured. He was interviewed by um, by French television as he came off the pitch at the end and he was visibly shaking. His teeth were chattering. He was so, so cold he could hardly speak properly because he'd, of course, been standing as the goalkeeper not necessarily always uh, active in the game for much of that second half in the freezing cold in the rain and it was an amazing sight. I was almost quite surprised. You know, if 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 that rain had fallen in the two hours before kickoff, the way the pitch was in that second half, the game probably wouldn't have started. But in the end, because the game was underway, they played to a conclusion. It led to some pretty farcical scenes in the second half. But um, to speak of the game very briefly, listen, that's a big result for Bordeaux. It's the first win under Vladimir Petkovic. You can sort of see what he's trying to do with that team. They've brought in a lot of um, unusual new signings. From um, from different places in Europe, mainly from Portugal, because that's where um, that's where the technical director has uh, focused his knowledge. Uh, so they're maybe starting to pick themselves up a bit. Saint-Étienne are a club um, not in a good way. The stories this morning are that there is a, a, a Cambodian prince who is interested in buying the club. Um, so Did that come in an email. Well. Well, it may well have done, but there's, there's, there's certainly the stories are emerging in the in, in, in the press that this is a genuine interest. And of course, Saint-Étienne are a club with two presidents, two men who run the club, um, and they maybe have you know diverging views on who they should sell the club to. But the feeling is they need to sell the club to somebody to give, to breathe new life into the club. And at the moment, the problems off the field are translating into problems on the field. And under Claude Puel, it's, it's just not happening for them. And I think that they are going to have another... Uh, long hard season, and and they don't, you know, they, they they give a debut to Ignacio Ramirez, the Uruguayan forward, who is the one summer signing. He made his debut uh, first start anyway at, at the weekend, and he did not do much. and And you have to wonder if he's going to go the same way as um, Robert Berich or um, the the Norwegian striker whose name escapes me because he made such Alexander... a little Alexander, uh, yes, Alexander something. You know the one I mean. Who who they, who they signed? I do. In the January window, and I think he scored on his first or second game for the club, the winner against Lyon mm-hmm. in the derby. Yeah. And I'm not sure he scored another goal for them. The, the listeners, I think that I'm was sure, Berich, were, 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 but no, I know what you mean. No, it wasn't. It was. Yeah, it it was wasn't Berich. Robert Berich. It was yeah. Alexander, something or other. And 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 the listeners will will know will know who, who I'm talking about. But I just can't remember his second name. I apologise for that. But the point is that this 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 new striker they brought in. You know, the 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 the, the danger is that he is going to go the same way as them and and struggle to adapt to life in Ligue 1. But Andy's Andy's giving you déjà vu too, shall we say? Um, I've, I've I've gone and checked, and I remember now. Yes, go on, Sutherland. Yeah, I was going to say. Honestly, I was I was going to say that. Sutherland. I was going to say that. Saint-Étienne are in real trouble. <laughs> Mets are bottom of the table. Saint-Étienne a second from bottom, just behind Brest, who got a draw at Clermont, who were down to six. Or I should say, Clermont got a draw as they were behind in that game. I I just wonder. 
Did Johann Gastian get sent to bed with no dinner by his dad, who's the Claremont coach, Pascal Gastian, for getting sent off early in the second half? I think that's the question that everybody wants to know. And another word for another perennial pod favourite, Teji Savanier, late equaliser for him, for Montpellier to draw at Troyes, a goalless draw as well. Only the second one in Ligue 1 this season, Lorient against Reims. Well, that wraps up the weekend's action, but we've got a lot more coming up in France over the next seven days. It's time for Bon Voyage, chaps, but I've actually gone on one already. I am at the Stadion Vankdorf in Bern, scene of young boys' Champions League win over Manchester United last week. I've just interviewed former Reims and Rennes striker and now eBay, as they called here, legend Jordan Siabacher and a host of other people. Um, but I will be back in France. An American, Jordan Siabacher. He, he's an American. He is an American. He doesn't really <laughs> speak English, though. He does, but his French is absolutely perfect. Grew up in France, but born in the US. Um, I'll actually be back in France very soon. Because on Wednesday, we've got a midweek round, and I have got the arduous task, and I use the word arduous in large inverted commas, of commentating Monaco Saint-Etienne, which is where I'll be going to. And that that should be a a good game. Monaco with a a chance to bounce back and get back uh, on on the right track. I I have to check, because I've had my uh, nose to the grindstone, I've been working too much, I think. I'm on Angers, Marseille. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that one as well because Angers, and I'll be looking at Marseille attacking from all angles without équilibre and without <laughs> balance, but it's all right because it's Marseille <laughs> against an Angers side who, uh, Angers at home, and I've said it before on the podcast, I've been very surprised by Angers so far this season. I hope their bubble hasn't burst because uh, they're, 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 they're a good club. We need another big club in the west of France that's not in Brittany in that area of of France as well, and uh, and I hope they can bounce back against Marseille. I'll be in in Lille actually watching the champions um, against Reims to see if they can pick themselves up. But uh, I think possibly the most interesting game of, of the midweek is is probably well I'm going to say it's Paris Saint Germain playing away at Metz because it's top against bottom, uh, and just to see if Messi can get can get his first goal and if he can last the 90 minutes this time. But um, I think all eyes will be on the Stade Saint Symphorien on Wednesday evening for that one. And next week, are we going to do next week as well, chaps? Next weekend, I, yeah. I, I quite, I quite fancy a bit of what I'm calling the Benoit Costilico as a Bordeaux take on Ren. <laughs> because not only do I like to see what Vladimir Petkovic is wearing, I'd also like to see if Benoit Costil is as he was incredibly cold. His lips were blue as he gave the uh, post-match <laughs> interview. I, I, I pretty much felt for him, but I thought Ren actually played pretty yeah. well. They Ren played pretty well against Spurs in the Europa League, although they got beat by Marseille at the weekend. But they, I thought mm-hmm. they did. Sorry, not the Europa League. Excuse me, Europa Conference League. Mm-hmm. Um, got a good two-two draw. Um, I think that one could be quite a good game. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, you, you and I were at that game in Ren, weren't we? And that was uh, that was good fun. Good to be at Razon Park and have a galet saucisse and sample the atmosphere there. It was uh, it was it was good to watch and and good to be part of. But. Um, Ren have not had a, a good start to the season in the league, have they? Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they get on in that one and how they get on in midweek. Uh, I think next weekend the, the the really interesting game will be Marseille Lens for the all the reasons that we've been talking about in this podcast. Marseille great to watch, Lens great to watch. So that should be quite something. Yep, and everything on the line in that one for the 
for the second place between Marseille and Lens. Saint-Étienne-Nice could be a, a good game as, as well. I think Nice are a, a side that are worth keeping an eye on this season, like Marseille, like Lyon, like, uh, like Lens. Um, but I'll be at the Parc des Princes. PSG Montpellier. Montpellier making a, a good fist of uh, life without Andy Delors and Gaetan Laborde so far. So it'll be good to see if they can, they can keep it going. Well, that's it from us, chaps. Thanks to you, Robbie. Thanks, uh, Andy. Pleasure. And thanks to all you lot for listening as well, because you you, you, all, you give us really great feedback too, and uh, we really appreciate that. So thank you. Matt will be back in the hot seat next week, thankfully for both you and me. But uh, until then... A little word. I know, oh. uh, just very quickly, I know we're not allowed to do advertisements in the line, <laughs> but Matt is absent because he's been nominated for Sports Book of the Year. Um, so he's back in Blighty. Uh, representing his book, and we were all waiting to see with bated breath if he's going to win Sports Book of the Year. But it just shows you the quality of uh, of his of his book that came out last year during the during the lockdown, and uh, all about the history of French football. So and in English. So if you want to know about the last twenty twenty two years of French football, get on it, have a look, and uh, it's a great read. It is in- well done, Matt. Yes, well done, Matt. All the best as well. Keeping our fingers crossed for you. Um, as for you, dear listeners, we'll be back next week. See you then. Bye. Neymar still. Oh, my word, what a goal. Golovin. Lovely finish. Must be the opening goal. Benedetto. And by Nyong. Fantastic. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Playing again. And Dolberg. Oh, Benedetto. Beautifully done. Sensational. 